Welcome to Carito Connects. I'm your host, Jen, and I've been conversing with friends around the world about life challenges and impactful moments. Conversations on this platform look at answering the questions, how we overcome challenges and how our experiences shape who we are and the work we do today. I hope this work can inspire you on your own personal and individual journey. Let's dive right in. Hello, my guest today is Edwin Chong, VP of e-commerce and digital marketing at Luxury Brand Partners, a company focused on developing and nurturing prestige artist-driven beauty brands with a focus on innovation and a passion for the creative mind. Hi, Edwin. Hey, Jen. Good to hear from you. Yeah, happy new year. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Likewise. So let me circle back here for our audience. Edwin and I met in 2014 in Taipei, uh, where you were helping a Taiwanese designer out here named Chloe Chen set up her F&B business. And I actually can't remember how we met, but regardless, I did end up throwing my birthday party that year at the bar, thanks to you. And we also hung out later on in Hong Kong and in New York City, where I last visited uh, December of 2017. Seems like a very, very long time ago. (laughs) Uh, I'm excited to converse with Edwin today, where he wants to share how his time in Asia challenged him professionally and personally, but also how that experience allowed him to realize the importance of finding and or constructing an environment that maximizes your ability to succeed. So without further ado, I am going to let Edwin lead us in today's conversation. First of all, thank you for um, hosting your birthday party back at um, Chloe's Chloe's space um, uh, those years ago. That was really fun. Um, and it's it's been great getting to know you since then. Um, so I guess kind of diving into why did I end up in, you know, Asia and, and you know, well, if I hadn't, I wouldn't have met you. Uh, I was in a moment in time, I guess, in my life, just looking for something different to, to do. And an opportunity came up um, to move to Asia to work on a uh, project with a friend in Hong Kong. And so that's what brought me to Hong Kong in the first place. We were uh, trying to do a, a, you know, at that time, at that time, kind of like uh, social media apps were, were all the rage. And and we had this idea to do something that's kind of a hybrid between, um, you know, online social socializing and connecting that with, with like in-person real-time social experiences so that's what brought me to to Hong Kong in, in the first place. And it was it was really interesting for, for me because I had been to Hong Kong a couple of times previously, but always just for, you know, uh, personal, you know, personal trips and, and vacation and whatnot. So this is my first time, you know, working in Asia, working in Hong Kong. Uh, Hong Kong is an, you know, easy, you know, on the surface, it's an easy entry point for, for people from the Western world because obviously a lot of people speak English. Um, it's very easy to get by in Hong Kong. Only speaking English, um, a plus or a minus, because obviously, like it's you know, um, it's its own um, city with its own culture, <laughs> and I feel like sometimes you know, speaking the language helps you understand the culture better, and and definitely um, you know, being able to get by only speaking English creates a, a divide in, in in the city, and so that was something that I hadn't really. Uh, really fully um, uh, appreciated until I started working there. 
and just kind of discovering um, that even though I was working in technology uh, in Hong Kong and I had spent my life working in technology before coming to Hong Kong, people's ways of thinking about it, uh, it's not, I mean, it's more than just like language, but I think it's also just um, the types of projects people focus on in technology in Hong Kong tend to be, you know, different, you know, different um, than what I had been used to going on, you know, back where I was coming from. There was a very much, you know, what seemed to me a big focus on, on, you know, use, using technology, especially digital technology and, 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 you know, online sort of stuff as, as, as marketing tools and not so much like, you know, what, where I guess I was used to like startup world of Silicon Valley, where people are always trying to invent new ways of, of doing things with technology. Um, and so um, when we were trying to put this project together in Hong Kong and looking for local developers, um, it was, you know, to be honest, a little bit, you know, frustrating for me because of that, that, that kind of just a gap between what I had been used to and what people were working on in Hong Kong. And that's not to say that like, you know, <laughs> one type of, one type of, you know, you know, projects is, is obviously like better or worse than the others. It's just like, you know, my expectations were different and that was, took me some time to kind of, um, uh, realize and then try to figure out, you know, how, how to, how to deal with it. So can I just circle back a little bit? Um, so you grew up in California, right? Right. And like, did in your, in your household, did you guys uh, did you learn Chinese at all or, you know, to what extent was your, like that your Asian cultural roots, you know, before you, before you, you know, picked up and moved to Hong Kong for a longer period of time? Right. So, so yeah, so I grew up in Silicon Valley um, where there are obviously like a lot of uh, Asian people. Um, <laughs> like my, my, my high school, was I don't know at the time I was there it was probably almost fifty percent uh, Asian and and now if I go back it's probably I don't know eighty or ninety percent it's ridiculous I mean it's just kind of I mean um, but when I was growing up yeah there there were like a lot of Asians because you know all of our you know a lot of people's parents had had you know uh, immigrated to to the states uh, to work in tech. And to work at all the kind of like the you know the 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 the, um, the kind of like the original wave of of, of you know hardware startups and and, and actual um, silicon uh, startups in Silicon Valley, right? Um, and so there were. I went to um, I, I went to China. I went to like weekly Chinese school um, uh, when when I when I was a kid, um, you know be, because. You know, a lot of families wanted to make sure that their kids, you know, learned Chinese, right? And so, um, so, so I went to that for a while, but that that was a little, um, you know, tough for challenging. Challenging, yes. Uh, let, I, you know, let's just keep using that word, challenging, right? So, a little bit challenging for me uh, for two reasons. One, because it was like on Friday evening. So like, you know, like you you finish school for the week and you want to go enjoy the weekend, but no, you have to like, you know, wolf down dinner and then get to Chinese class. Right. Uh, so that was just, you know, for anyone that was just like, you know, le less than optimal. Um, but the main reason is because, uh, these Chinese, you know, these Chinese schools 
were really geared towards people who spoke Chinese at home and they were trying to teach you how to like read and write. So classes were always conducted uh, in uh, in Mandarin, right? And and the teachers really didn't like it if I tried to ask a question. So I'm like, dude, well, I don't, you know, like this immersion thing is not working for me because everyone else already knows it. So you're not like speaking immersively in a way that like I can like, you know, gradually pick you up. You're speaking it like, you know, like everyone knows it fluently. Um, and uh, so that so that was that was just um, tricky, um, and you know it was hard for me just to kind of like learn. And uh, anyway, so so that didn't that didn't really work very well. Um, and then so I, yeah, so then we tried like um, you know private like one on one um, tutor things, um, and that was a little bit better. But then it just I think because um, like we didn't speak Chinese. So what? So that that was a little bit better, right? But because we didn't speak Chinese at home, it never got like re reinforced, right? So then mm-hmm. the only time I kind of spoke it was like on my you know weekly maybe like one hour lesson, right? And I didn't speak with my friends. I didn't speak it at home, so it was kind of like I don't know. It just it just didn't didn't take. <laughs> well, did your parents not think that you know they should practice with you at home if they're gonna send you to the school? Uh. Okay. Yeah. I mean, but I'm so, so, well, my mom doesn't speak, so I was adopted. Right. And then, so my mom doesn't speak Chinese. Um, and so only my dad, um, speaks Chinese. Um, and, and so, and I don't know, I mean, just, it's just, uh, maybe, but then like, I'm not going to, you know, whatever, I'm not going to blame them for like, not me, not learning Chinese. I mean, like, so, um, <laughs> Well, I guess, I guess, uh, a, a side, you know, a side question here is, did that, um, how did that work out for you in terms of like finding identity, right? In terms of being an Asian American, an adopted Asian American, uh, and how you navigated, uh, you know, growing up and uh, college and workplace, and then circling back to being in Asia. So I'm bringing it kind of back to yeah, the yeah, yeah, sure. So I mean, growing up, I never really, I never really thought much of it because I had some Chinese friends. I also had like a ton of Indian friends. We're not gonna like hang out and speak Chinese, right? And then, um, you know, obviously like also like white friends and, and black friends, Mexican, what do you write? So, so uh, cause, cause I was growing up in America, right? So like, and especially Silicon Valley at that time was, was, you know, fairly, you know, fairly ethnically and racially, you know, like diverse. I think it's probably a little less so now. Um, but but then you know there there was um, you know I think a fair amount of diversity and so it didn't really you know occur to me like not speaking Chinese was like a big deal right and then going to college well I mean I picked like you know the the widest college I could possibly think of um, and so like it didn't and then uh, I obviously didn't notice. Um, uh, you know, not being able to speak Chinese, and 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 you know, at the same time, like there was no expectation that anyone had of me that I should be able to speak Chinese because, like, you know, it never even came up that you know, like, um, because we were just speaking English, right? So, like, who who you know, no no one ever kind of like, um, yeah, I don't know, quote unquote discovered that I didn't speak Chinese, right? Just because there wouldn't there would be no use for us speaking it, right? So. Um, so it didn't really, um, uh, it didn't really, um, 
I didn't really notice like, it until I moved to until I moved to like Hong Kong. Yeah. So going back to Hong Kong. <laughs> so how did you navigate that? Right. Uh, I guess you and your friend went out to Hong Kong to start up this social app. Uh, and then obviously, like you mentioned earlier, you learned along the way of uh, cultural differences, um, expectations of how, you know, when you worked in Silicon Valley was different from uh, working in Hong Kong. So how did you how did you guys navigate that space? Yeah, so that was that was really tricky, right? So she was, I mean, she's from Hong Kong. Yeah, she grew up in Hong Kong. Like she only went to the States for university um, and then, you know, working for like uh, a few years before going back to Hong Kong, right? So um, so she's very familiar with, uh, you know, Hong Kong, you know, Hong Kong, you know, Hong Kong culture and all that sort of stuff. But what she's not familiar with was, um, you know, uh, um, you know the the tech industry, right? So so there so so a lot of it, it was just kind of struggles for us to kind of like, you know, um, get get aligned in in that sense because I you know somewhat you know ignorantly you know assumed that like the tech world was the same all 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 over because that's just what you know <laughs> I guess this is just the arrogant American perspective that like you know the world revolves around around the U.S. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, so, so we, we would always have these, you know, discussions where I would kind of be like frustrated about like, you know, de you know, uh, the developers that we were finding and she would be kind of trying to say like, well, that's, that's, you know, that's Hong Kong culture. And I'm like, but that's not tech culture. Right. So is it, is, is, is some, you know, is something this way because, you know, because it's Hong Kong or, or is it because they're just, you know, um, yeah, or, 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 or should it be different? And she, you know, she would be like, well, you shouldn't expect them to be different because they're from Hong Kong. I'm like, yeah, but they work in the tech industry, so they should be like this, you know? So, so it's kind of like, you know, which, which is it? Um, and obviously I think it's probably a little bit of both. Um, but, yeah, I, I would agree. It's, I would agree. It's a little bit of both. I think, you know, uh, anyone in the startup scene in Taiwan uh, or even in China probably would say the same, right? The, the, especially if you have that Silicon Valley experience and then mm. you're, coming out here and being in this environment. And I think what you just stated is a common, common comment, right? <laughs> it's like, you're like, but that's not how tech world works, right? And then the, the, the others will say, well, this is Taiwan or this is Hong Kong. This right. is how this market <laughs> works. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then, and then you kind of, as an outsider, you think like, well, you think like, well, um, it, you know, it could we, you know, it could evolve. It like I don't know, it sound again. It goes back to sounding a little bit like you know arrogant, right? But then you kind of like, well, it could, um, you, it could evolve. Like it could take a step in this direction or whatever. Or you could, you could capture more, or you could do whatever more. Like if you did this, right? And then you get the argument, but that's not us, right? And, well, okay, fine. But and so, so it was interesting um, uh, to me because I, I hadn't met that type of resistance um, working with you know, engineers in, in, in the past, right. I, I always found them to be like open to trying like, and it was never like, well, this is America. So we don't do things that way. Right. It was like, okay, that's cool. Like, and it was always seemed to be evaluating ideas on the merits of like, like, well, like, like this is makes sense or not. Right. But like moving to, to Asia, then it was like, 
then culture became a factor, right? And I was kind of like, okay, this is like new to me because I'd never encountered like culture as a factor in like what we're trying to do in, in tech. Um, and it's interesting that you bring up like mainland and, and Taiwan too, because I actually would, at that time, I don't know, maybe things have changed, right? But like at that time, I found that like mentality in Taiwan and, and mainland was more similar to what I was used to than what I was encountering in, in Hong Kong, right? Which is to me interesting because um, mm. uh, in Taiwan, like, you know, there's less English spoken, right? But yeah, at the same sure. time, it there was a large American presence for a while. So maybe that influenced like, you know, some sort of like, I don't know, you know, mindset or just thinking like a little bit, I don't know. But then in China, <laughs> there's neither English nor like, you know, like a, a history of like American occupation or anything like that. So like, that was like really interesting to me because I was like, okay, well, you know, like if, if this is the mentality in China, like why is it so different in, in, in Hong Kong, right? So to me, like Hong Kong was just like this, mm. like, you know, weird, challenging um, environment. Um, and so I found that trying to deal with all those issues, plus trying to actually just build something, right, is a, you know, obviously like a double challenge, right? So, um, so what happened? <laughs> uh, so... So I think what happened is I realized it's, 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 you know, it's, if you want to, I think if, I think at some point that you just have to like kind of, you know, you be honest with yourself and kind of like evaluate like what's, you know, what's, what's possible for me here. Right. And, and just kind of recognize the environment that you're dealing with and your own sort of like, um, you know, what you bring to the table, right? And like, and, and so, so there's, there's, um, you know, I think I have a pretty, uh, pretty, pretty strong, um, you know, experience in tech and, and pretty, you know, pretty good capabilities there. But like, uh, um, I think to succeed in that particular time in that particular market, it's just, there's a lot to like learn culturally and, you know, like, do you want to like pick up, uh, you know, pick up the language and then try to wrap your head around the different mentality and then try to, so, so it's like, you're, 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 you're adding a lot of obstacles, um, to, to deal with. Um, so I think that's, that's when, you know, uh, you know, I think what, what we start, what we were talking about when we started off this conversation, how you kind of create an environment or at least find the environment that's going to like uh, maximize your ability to, to succeed, right? Do you want to put up a bunch of, you know, quote unquote, uh, you know, not, maybe not unnecessary, but like extra challenges, right? Or, or do you find, you know, the, the, the situation where um, you can probably do, do more um, and, and, and how do you make that you know, happen? So, so that, yeah. So, so for me at the time, it's just kind of like, well, this is, this is a lot of added friction. Um, and I don't think it's, it's necessarily like, uh, going to result in, in, in the best outcome. Right. So then I think I realized that, um, whatever, you know, I just belong in New York. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's, 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 I've, some people, I think I was listening to like one of your earlier podcasts 
and you know someone said that that they were in Bali or something like that, right? And 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 they had built up a community there, and they just felt com- they felt comfortable there, and they felt like you know they had everything you know that they needed to like kind of succeed and make it work there, right? And so that clicked yeah. them, right? So in my case, that was not Hong Kong. It was in my case. It was more like it's you know um, you know it's 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 like I have I have um, you know I have um, you know like the I, you know, I have the, the the network in in New York, like like the mentality kind of like fits. I can get more things done here, right? So, um, so that was when 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 you know, kind of the the chance came to to go back to um, to New York. I kind of just jumped on on that because uh, although uh, I think we were making headway. I, I feel like in Asia, I feel like I brought it to a place where like, okay, this is, this is kind of like, all I've done as I've built as much as I could here. Well, I guess I'm jumping around, but like, this is like after this, the social, um, the, the, the social networking, you know, app, this, this was then I was working on something else, but then I, I, I it was a, um, you know, quote unquote, smart packaging business where, where we were, um, you know, um, you know, basically putting NFC, Principal NFC tags, you know, embedded straight on packaging to kind of like let companies, um, you know, trace their trace their their goods from uh, from factory to to retailer shop, you know, throughout the whole supply chain. And so I think I've I've kind of built that to as as far as I could, you know, reasonably take it. And the next point after that was go to market in China, which obviously like I'm not the one to do that because it's just like wheeling dealing in Chinese and um, doing a lot of karaoke. <laughs> Um, which neither of which I'm good at. So, um, so it was, it was, it was good timing that, that something came up in New York and I was just, you know, for me, it was just like, yes, I think I can accomplish more back here. And, and since then it's just been, um, you know, that's, that's, I, I think that's turned out to be the, the case, right? Like I, it's just, um, um, I feel like I've, I've been able to, you know, make an impact, um, Ever, you know, uh, continue making an impact and grow that impact, right? Ever since going back to New York, so. So just just kind of going back to your timeline really quickly. So you mm-hmm. went out to Hong Kong to start the social app with your yeah. friend, and then you left that, or 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 was or was or was the packaging a pivot from the social app with the same yeah. partner? I mean, it was it was um, it was it was a. I mean, it seems like a drastic. Uh, pivot but yeah so we took some of the team from the social networking app and and and, and went into packaging and, and the reason and so they seem like if i just describe it that way it seems like really disparate kind of like things so is the, the packaging company still there now yeah so the packaging company is there now i think if you if you go you know if you if you go buy a cigarette basically the packaging company was kind of i don't know what it's like a, a a sister a small sister company of a of a larger Kind of established uh, packaging um, business I see. in China, right? right? So okay. if you you know if you go to China and you buy a pack of cigarettes, um, you know um, it's it odds are odds are good that it was printed by this you know packaging company. <laughs> <laughs> and just out of my own curiosity, where was Chloe Chen's F and B part in this storyline? Sure. So. Uh, Chloe's business came up while I was working in Hong Kong and because I, because, uh, I, I'd known Chloe for a few years before then. Right. And, 
um, every time she'd come to visit New York, we'd you know hang out and, and everything. Um, uh, I think now that like I was much, uh, you know, like not only in the same time zone, but basically like a like a one hour flight away or whatever, right? Like the the idea of like um, uh, you know working together on a project was a lot more feasible. Um, mm. And I had done a restaurant in New York before. Um, and so, and, and she wanted to get into F and B. So, um, so she asked me to help her out with that. So that's how I got involved there. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So let's go back, let's come back to New York now. So what, what did you, so you took away from your time in Hong Kong, right? That learning experience, those challenges that you encountered, um, and how, how did that, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, uh, in, in hindsight now, when you think about it, um, I'm assuming those experiences helped you, uh, in terms of the work you were doing when you first came back and what you're doing now, right. In terms of how you, how you manage your teams, how you uh, approach, uh, the organization, um, or, or, or not, I, I, I'm assuming that, you know, that's what happened as well, right? In terms of how you can successfully succeed, as you mentioned, very in the very beginning, um, in the circumstances that you're in. Yeah. So after, yeah, after, after that time in Asia, I started to think more broadly, or maybe more. I don't know. It sounds like academic, but like a little bit more structurally about like how 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 businesses are operating in in their own particular like landscapes, and then. Also within within a particular company, you know what's you know what are the factors that like are enabling or preventing it from like reaching its you know full full potential, I guess. And so, so basically, I I I started working at a creative agency called Baron and Baron, right? And so so it's um, it works with a lot of like fashion and luxury brands and has done so for like a, a, a number of years, kind of you know, incubating like, you know, NARS cosmetics from, from the very beginning, working with, you know, like Louis Vuitton and, and Dior and, and whatnot, and then on to like, you know, more accessible brands like Zara. Um, but uh, one thing that I noticed working with uh, all these, all these brands compared to, you know, working in, in tech is that they just have a very, a very different I don't know mentality or thought process about how they approach their 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 business and we're in whereas in tech it seems to be always about like how can we you know is there a better way to solve this problem how can we do how can we apply technology to 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 do enhance this user engagement right yeah <laughs> or, I don't know like yeah enhance user engagement yeah, solve mean, problems streamline things yeah streamline the, yeah yeah I mean I think engagement's like maybe a measure of things but like if you know you think about like Uber it's like okay you know trying to get a taxi sucks right how can we make this better to be great if we could just push a button right or you know if you think about like, you know, Spotify replacing record stores. It's it's like, okay, how can we make the music listening experience better? You know, like, okay, selling CDs instead of selling records is not like a big jump, right? But if you're streaming stuff, that is a big jump because now it's not, now now it's a subscription model. Like now it's like on demand. Now, you know, there's, it changes the dynamics of the industry, right? And just like Amazon changed the dynamics of the, not just the, 
book industry, but just like retail in general, right? So it's it's shifting the dynamics in the industry. So like it's always thinking like I don't know, I don't want to say like it's the I mean it's thinking big, I guess, right? Like you're trying to like you know, um, and then in 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 the in the fashion world, you know, no one's thinking you know. Like the heritage brands are not thinking like how do we upend you know this whole this whole industry. It's more just like how do how do we just kind of maintain our exclusivity and prestige, right? And that on the surface is at odds with you know um, digital, right? Because digital is all about accessibility, or mm-hmm. you know supposedly, um, and and so it's it's so so you know kind of you know, trying to build out the, the digital practice at Darren, working with these brands, it was always a challenge because it's like, you know, you're, you're dealing with like brands who are all about exclusivity, but they, they realize they have to deal with digital, but that's all about accessibility. So how you, how you balance this. And it, you know, so, so to me, just kind of like looking again, looking at like, you know, maybe structurally, um, you know, you, you see they're faced with challenges and they don't know how always necessarily to deal with it and their solution is put something on a website or put something on social media but like it's just it's just using those things as 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 you know additional channels to do what they've always been doing right um so even if like balmain is selling an nft they're just selling it like they would sell a dress like let's just make this like you know ridiculously expensive and only you know five people are going to buy it but that's our that's our business right and they're not thinking about it like there's this new technology how can we how can we use it to really kind of change the way we're doing our business? Even and and so you know, I I offer that up now for kind of like those examples of like tech companies like Spotify and Amazon, but you, right. you can also see traditional companies embracing technology in transformative mm-hmm. ways, like even like Starbucks introducing its loyalty app program. That's kind of changed the way that they do you know do business, like ordering ahead, getting all that data about you know, what their customers are ordering, using that to influence their new product development and everything that's transformative for, for, for their business because they found like a new way to like engage with their customers and learn more and improve their product development and keep them loyal and you know, grow. So it has a right. snowball effect. Anyway, so, so when you look at these fashion companies, I think what's challenging from a structural perspective, just like, you know, uh, you know, executive management may not have like that same mindset of like how do we how do we change because they they don't they're not bringing in the, the people who think that who think that way right so that mm-hmm. that limits them I think um, it also like because they think in terms of you know like, understandably they think in terms of like their their main um, product is like the the, the fashion so um, most you know so so resources go towards you know the the creative minds creating the fashion, which which obviously like makes sense, right? But if you're a tech person, you know, and you're and you're looking at, do I want to work for a fashion brand that's going to pay me this much, or do I want to work for like take those same exact skills and work for a tech company who's going to give me like equity and pay me like twice as much? Where 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 you go, right? And and so I think it's going to be it's tough for these fashion brands to change because they don't they don't think that that way and they don't value the same things, and so it kind of like I think disadvantages them to an extent until because of that difference in mentality and so that that that's why it's a long-winded way of me saying that like yeah just looking at like these differences in mentality reminds me of like you know how people think about things differently in, in asia right it's it's a different like it's a different different way of looking at things but it's just kind of like that really affects what you're capable of of doing that's really yeah I'm it's like different lens but just listening to you talk about your experience at baron and baron it's like almost like 
though it's in New York and it's in an English speaking environment and corporate culture wise, you're probably more familiar with, but it was almost like you were dealing with very similar, but different issues um, from your time in Hong Kong. Right. 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 So it sounded like, I mean, you didn't, you didn't conclude the storyline to that, but it sounded like you also had to, at a certain point, uh, make another decision, which you just illustrated earlier, right? Like, do you stay working in fashion or you go to a tech company uh, that values what, you know, you're good at and what the strategy you can apply uh, to help them grow and get equity? (laughs) Right. And so, yes. And so, yes. I mean, so that makes me sound mercenary and kind of like, you know, so yeah, I mean, that, that's true, right? So where, where, where you stay, right? And so like, I think, I think in, in, in fashion, you're right. Like there is that same challenge of like kind of getting people to, you know, or seeing whether you can get people to kind of, you know, shift their thinking, you know, a, a, a bit. And that, that challenge, I haven't given up on, on that necessarily, I think, because, well, it's like timing, right? Like it's almost like timing isn't quite there yet. Yeah, yeah, and and I think I, th- I think that you see these some come, and I, th- I think I'm also kind of like heartened or reassured by 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 just seeing some some brands doing it. You know, like I said, um, like you know, Starbucks or whatever. I think you also see like you know, Nike is obviously not like a a, a luxury fashion brand that, that that of the type that I was working with at Baron, right? But you see them embracing. Uh, technology wholeheartedly and 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 and, and really up leveraging it in new ways and to grow their to grow their business right and you see maybe yeah. uh, even very recently like Adidas you know dropping a I don't know if you saw this but they they released an NFT the other week right and they made they made thirty million dollars in one day and they actually did it they did I think a they they their their kind of hand their I don't know their approach to NFTs. I think is is more in line with the current community in the NFT world than when you see fashion brands. You know, they're like, okay, we put our logo on NFT, we're gonna sell it to you for like you know ten grand, and you're like, why? What do I? What what am I gonna do with this, right? Whereas Adidas really understood the community aspect of it and and saying like, okay, with this, we're gonna build a community around it. We're going to offer kind of continue kind of you know benefits to people who 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 are who participate in it and become a member of this community and whatever and build build around that. So it will be interesting to see where they 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 take it. Or, or see like, where this goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um and and so yeah I think I think these this 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 sort of thing it just creates um you know there's there's a lot of opportunities there and and, and so you just kind of like want to push brands to 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 embrace it, right? Um, but yeah. I think that one effect that it does have is that it, 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 and I mentioned this to you, to you, I guess, kind of earlier, maybe it just kind of creates this, this bigger divide is the ones who like, you know, do manage to embrace it, just get further and further ahead because the benefits keep compounding and it just leaves other, you know, other, other brands behind. It's not just like, you know, brands and companies, right. I think like, um, you know, with, with people too, right. Um, um you know, I, like I was working on a, a on a fintech you know uh, company right where we were doing digital banking and and, and trying to bring um, uh, banking to underserved populations right and I think what you see with with that is when you know 
you, when when banks introduce kind of more more digital um, services, it's great. It seems to like reduce the friction and, and make services more available to people, but only for people who have smartphones, right? And so the people who really need the you know access to banking and stuff are still are still limited. And so it's just making things easier for the people who already had it easy, and then it's just like it helps them get ahead more, right? And that that may, that may not be the the intent behind it, right? But then that is kind of like a side effect of it. Um, so I think mm-hmm. the, the, that's that's kind of the conundrum with 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 digital things is it's supposed to make things more accessible, but you know, it's very easy for us just to make things easier for people who already have it easy and just widen that, widen that gap. So, so how do we solve that problem? (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, um, you know, I think that what you're seeing now is is really interesting with this whole, with this whole like trend of decentralization, right? Like, I mean, people talk about uh, cryptocurrency, you know, kind of decentralizing money and then, you know, like NFTs decentralizing art and all this sort of stuff. And that's, that's true to, uh, that's true to an extent. Right. Um, but I think that the issue is not, that's not so cryptocurrency, like, okay, fine. Like maybe now you have currency that's you know not, not issued by a central government. Okay, great. Right. But I don't think the issue, I think part of the issue may be centralization, but I think the bigger issue in terms of this divide that I'm talking about is concentration of wealth and concentration of influence. And that can still happen really easily with with crypto because um, there's still a lot of wealth just being concentrated in the hands of a few. It's just a different few. So so we might be redistributing wealth to an extent, mm. but like um, you know whoever whoever made like a hundred million dollars off of you know Bitcoin now has like a hundred million dollars, and they're going to you know they, they, the wealth is still concentrated you know in in their hands and um, What's happening is the same thing about that just becoming a compounding effect because um, now that they have that much Bitcoin or whatever, they're just more people want their attention, so they get more opportunities brought to them, which gives them more you know, chances to like increase their their wealth and and it's even easier now. I don't know if you're familiar with like I don't know, the concept of like airdrops where where people just, you know, once they find out your, your Bitcoin address or your Ethereum address, right, they just send you free stuff, right? So now whoever, whoever's got a lot of stuff gets even more stuff. And and these things, they're supposed to kind of level the playing, democratize it a bit. Like there was, you know, there was there were recently two big airdrops um, uh, where they were like, oh, we're, 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 we're uh, rewarding the community or, or whatever. And they airdropped a bunch of stuff to whoever had been using um NFTs for for a while, right? They were like, we want to reward supporters, so we're airdropping, you know, this thing to to anyone who's been using NFTs. But it was based, it was distributed pro rata based on how much you had spent on NFTs up to that point, right? So whoever's spent a lot already gets even gets even more. So that doesn't really. So it basically goes back to exclusive exclusivity again, and 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 uh, yeah, it, it didn't sound like you were able to. Give me a solution to how to solve it. Okay, okay, sorry. I was, I was, I was kind of getting, yes, I was trying to get into the problem that is still there, right? And I guess, so. Yeah, and thank you for illustrating that because I think most of the audience listening probably 
like myself, don't really know that much about crypto and NFT. I mean, in 40 minutes, we covered so much already. So I'm going to let you give us the solution. And then I have to wrap you up by asking you to... Okay, wait, I'll let, me, I'll let you answer first, and then I'll ask you the last question um, before we wrap up. Okay. Uh, I, I think the solutions <laughs> are, still, are still in develop, are still being, I don't know, like created, right? But one thing that we did were, you know, is, is to release, uh, you know, our own set of NFTs, right? And, and, and instead of doing it by the traditional process of like, you know, offering, a, a, you know, offering them up to be minted by whoever like wants to come and you know, pay a certain fee or whatever, which I think um, also involves a certain level of exclusivity because you have to find out that there's a mint going on and then you have to have the money to pay for it and, and all this sort of stuff. It still becomes expensive. Right. Um, you know, we, we distributed it through, so we, we built awareness through, um, and this is, this is only a small step, right? Because it's still limited to people off computers, right? But, you know, we, we drill wars is not through kind of like discord or, or Twitter or things where like, dude, there's a small audience. We just put pushed it all out on, on broader, you know, paid media, media. campaigns, search mm-hmm. campaigns, paid media campaigns, social campaigns, and everything that we, that would reach an audience outside of the, the usual NFT world right so any so it's kind of giving access to and to well making awareness available to like a, a much wider audience right and then giving right, them right. away for giving them away for free right because the idea is to like just get more people involved and exposed to these things so they can learn about it. and then it's on us to kind of like build value um, around that for them right so we're able to reach kind of a, a much wider audience um and and kind of create a community by 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 saying like okay you want this to be worth something now then it's kind of well it's on us to kind of make it work some make it worth something for you but it's also if you want it to be worth something get personally invested in it right and take an active role mm-hmm. and getting it into the hands of more people I think you know helps that so. cool well it should be exciting to keep an eye out for that um, I, I mean I'll include all your links. At the bottom um, of this episode as well, so people can have a follow um, on the on the website uh, as as well as your uh, LinkedIn. But to wrap up this conversation, and thank you again for sharing everything that you shared with us. <laughs> we went all the way back to your early days till now. What kind of advice would you give others who? I guess, resonate with your storyline, you know, maybe whether it's startup world, um, whether it's tech world, I mean, you know, whatever it is that you are saying in your storyline that really hit them, how would you, um, what advice would you give them to, you know, like you said earlier, face your challenges and kind of maximize, right, your potential and your skill sets to be able to thrive, uh, and then real, you know, and then if you realize that you already tried that and you've already done all you could and then have to pivot. Yeah. I mean, I think just be honest with yourself. Right. And I think that's, that's just, I don't think there's any magic way to know, like, uh, when you should keep going on the path that you're going, that you're on right now, or when, when you kind of have to, you know, should say, um, this is, um, you know, uh, this is the the time to you know uh, shift 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 my environment like a little bit. I don't I, I'm not sure if there's any way to like easily identify that, but I think just it's always important just to kind of like continually, um, honestly self assess, right? Because I, I I've seen I've seen people who just keep charging ahead because they have a really strong 
belief in themselves, but from the outside, you might say like, okay, dude, um, you know, is this, is this, is this going to continue? You know, do you think this is going to continue to, to work for, for me? It was, I think I was comfortable making that shift because I, I felt like, okay, you know what? Like I saw this through to this point, literally from, from at this point forward, my skills don't match like, you know, what I think it needs for this thing to, to succeed. Right. So, um, or to succeed to the, to the, to the max. Right. So, so that, that was a little bit maybe like easier, I think, but I think it's, yeah, I think, I think just always just being. Yeah. Cause I think sometimes it's like you, you intuitively know that this is, you're not in an environment that you like that much, but for other reasons, right? Maybe like your title or your payroll or the company you're at, you you end up staying longer than you than you probably want to, right? Um, well, yeah, I mean, yes, I think that's true. I think, but I think, I think, yeah. I'm sorry, I, I, that, that's that's true. I just wanted to get out the thought that I forgot about for a second. Yeah, yeah, go, go, go. <laughs> I think so. So I think in order to kind of, so I think, I, so I said, it's like really important to just be honest with yourself and just kind of continually self-assess. Right. And I think what helps with that ability to self-assess is having either a number of different experiences or like a, or, or a deep enough experience where you have something to kind of comparatively assess against. And I, I've seen it with other people where I feel like, um, if they had um, maybe spent longer somewhere and had like a deeper level of experience in something, or if they had just a, a wider variety of experience where they could see, they might assess themselves a little bit differently. But from you know from their perspective, in their mind, what they're doing is good. From an outside perspective, you might say like you could be doing better. I think having the, either of those, uh, that variety of experiences or that depth of experience really helps you know, you to see, you know, that self-assessment, right? So I think that's, that's just like important to, to make sure you don't, you don't, um, early on in your career, I guess, and don't give up too early such that like you don't get that level of experience, right? Sometimes early on in your career, you need to hear from you know, your boss or whoever, right? Like you could be doing a better job or, or something like that, right? Like it's it's tough and you don't always want to hear it, right? But then I think that will right. that will help you as you're assessing yourself later on. Would you say like two years is a good benchmark for early early stage co- career <laughs> path <laughs> professionals, young professionals? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it'll, I think it, I don't know if it's like a time or just like an, like the amount of experience that you got, right? So like if you spent two years doing the same yeah. thing, you know, maybe you didn't learn that much, right? But, but maybe you know. So I don't I don't know. I mean, like it could be that you that you advanced rapidly within like a year, right? And then so, right. so I, I don't know. I don't know if that's a really easy answer, but I think yeah. I mean, two years. I think that's it's not it's not too much out of your life, right? But. <laughs> I don't know. For a young twenty-year-old out of college, it might seem like a lot yeah. of time out of their life. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess so. I mean, I guess if you if you you read some articles these days, I think it, it seems like whatever a higher percentage of of the younger generation expect to be promoted within the first six months, which which me as an old 
person, you know, thinks is a little bit like, I don't know, extreme, but. Um, okay. Well, that's all the time we have for today. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for your time. And I hope uh, this new year will be very exciting for you. And maybe we will be able to see each other in person, you know, if travel resumes. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be awesome if, if travel resumes somewhat normally. And, and um, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, that'd, that'd be great to, to kind of, you know, meet up in person again soon. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. That's all we have time for today. Thank you for listening to Curito Connects. For more Connects content, collaborations, and discoveries set to inspire you on your own individual journey, please head to our website at www.curito.co. Until next time, stay inspired and thank you for joining us at Curito Connects.